0: Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. J.J., you had an eventful week. I did. (laughs) According to social media. Now, I'm with you all day. And then things are normal. Uh Uh-huh. And then you go home at night, Uh I go to bed, I lay there next to Betsy, and we put up the phone in front of us, and we follow the absolute soap opera (laughs) that is happening in your life, which I want to tell everybody right now is complete fiction. I mean, it's not fiction, it's really happening, but you are grossly exaggerating the drama that's (laughs) happening in your life, and people are starting, like, literally, you're in tears.
1: I got hundreds of messages, I'm not kidding,
0: hundreds. You're drinking bourbon in the middle of the night (laughs) to drown your sorrows. I want to tell everybody... It's a hoax. <laughs> He's just play acting. Not a acting. hoax. Not a hoax.
1: But yeah, it was <laughs> What's, really. What's the story? anybody who doesn't so, know on story Instagram stories on Instagram stories, which I'd never do. I just decided to do. Yeah. You know, I've talked about this before. How I want to enter the state fair diorama competition. What is
0: a diorama? Diorama
1: is like a, a miniature scene, like a scene that you set up with like miniature. And in, in particular, for me, it was miniature fairies because that was the that's the category. It's fairy habitat.
0: So I, I, nobody understands what you're talking about. A miniature scene, scene like think of the that shoebox is a fairy scenes, s- habitat. Think
1: of like the shoebox scenes you had to create when you were in grade school. Like a, a scene of like the Oregon, like trail. a manger.
0: Would a manger yeah. be a diorama? A, a manger would be. So a we major all scene. a diorama is a manger scene. Like, yeah. But it can be with fairies. It
1: can be with anything. Oh, it really. just
0: has to have the baby Jesus in it? No. <laughs> no,
1: it does not. No. No, it just has right. to maybe have miniature the, Maybe character. listeners
0: understand. I don't understand. Yeah,
1: maybe you don't understand. So I had entered the state fair for the diorama competition, and I thought it was due on this specific date, and all of a sudden I got an email that said, oh, you have 24 hours to turn in your diorama. And I is decided that because, to, Was that
0: their communication problem? Or they you're... had
1: sent me the wrong initial email. I just kind of decided to take the opportunity to turn it into like a very big dramatic moment, and then allowed people to follow me through that 24 hours trying to get my diorama. So you entry. played
0: up the, the, the idea. The that you had to come up with a, the diorama in 24 yep, hours. I did, and it much. went it went nuts. Yeah, I, I really people did were get... texting me about it. Were they really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, is JJ okay? I'm like, I'm. I think yeah. I was just with him. It was really funny. <laughs> like
1: my cousin called me and she said my son was watching your stories and was like is JJ okay <laughs> and so I never do that I never like I post every once in a while on Instagram I never do stories and I just decided to do it and all of a sudden it just kind of you clearly were having blew fun up. oh I had a blast with it
0: and you got you know in the story you got kicked out of Michaels you're banned from Michaels yeah in the story that didn't really then. happen
1: but I made a joke about how I was kicked out of Michaels because I was too distraught over buying the wrong beads it was
0: and... the, the whole gist was a lot of drama about things that really aren't that dramatic Yeah, but you. <laughs> did get your diorama turned in. Yeah, I did. Basically it looks like a goldfish bowl with some fairies in it. Yep. <laughs> yes, it's really <laughs> horrible. When do you find out who if you want it? Next week. Is the yeah. state fair next week? Yeah. I we well, here's what I love about the Tennessee State Fair. Yeah. All these dioramas, all in different ways cows, fairies, whatever, honoring the baby Jesus. <laughs> no. That is really no. special. That no. is really special. That's not
1: part of it at all. I'll explain to you more off the air. Okay. So, yeah. Right. So you will, you'll help you understand what dioramas <laughs> really are.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, we're not
0: talking about dioramas no, in today's no, episode. I'm talking enough, about social, yeah, social media. media. Yeah. Uh, how do you get a bunch of attention on social media? Do you even want to? Yeah. Is it even effective? What's <laughs> yeah. your business strategy around social media? Media. We've done yeah. this before, yeah. But we actually just flew Claire Diaz Ortiz in from Argentina, yep. And we filmed a full online course with her that we're giving away for free. Yep. She's known as the woman who got the Pope on
1: Twitter. Yeah, I
0: yeah. remember. I actually <laughs> yeah.
1: knew her then, and yeah. texted her. What are you doing at the Vatican? She yeah. Was like, I'm not telling. <laughs> but just keep
0: keep an eye out.
1: Well, and the point of kind of what she makes in the book and in the course is. The idea that a lot of people just want something to go viral, like my story, Yeah. you know, like my story was fun. Thousands of people actually watched my story. I got hundreds of messages and it it does nothing for me, right? right? Like, because... It didn't build your brand, no, really. It didn't, because I didn't really have a plan for it. It was just something for me. It was just really fun. And what Claire really talks about is that if you're going to actually use social media, most people are kind of like throwing spaghetti at a wall and see what sticks, and she said, that doesn't work. You have to have a plan. And if you have a plan, you can actually find an enormous amount of success
0: from social media if you know how to do it right. Well, I know you're wondering. You've been waiting for us to cover this topic. We're not just covering it in a podcast. If you go to com you can actually take this online free course. It's free. I mean, literally, we filmed it, spent thousands of dollars filming it, so that we could answer your question. It's just one of the values that we're gonna give a story brand. We think she's brilliant. Uh, We love uh, Claire Diaz-Ortiz. We're gonna talk first about how she live tweeted the birth of her child, Uh, and then we're gonna get into uh, all sorts of uh, strategies on how you can use social media to grow your brand. I think you're gonna be enlightened. Here's my conversation with Claire Diaz-Ortiz. Claire, hi. Hello, Don Miller. <laughs> We've known each other a long time, but I want to let people know a little bit about your backstory. You were an executive at Twitter, and while you were an executive at Twitter, you live-tweeted the birth of your child, right?
2: Mm, yeah, wasn't, wasn't that a great idea? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it blew up, and uh, you've written a book uh, called Social Media Success for Every Brand, and you've worked closely with us on the social media, uh, on how to succeed at social media for your company. I I wanna talk to you, first of all, we gotta go back. When did you get the idea to actually, to live feed the birth of your child?
2: I mean, it was really in the moment that it happened. I went into birth with my first daughter three weeks early and, you know, as, as one does, it was sort of the middle of the night, my water broke and I went on to Google and was like, how do I know if my water's breaking? And then as one does, after Googling that, I then tweeted what I was Googling. So it was actually just <laughs> a natural thing and-
0: Talk about opening a story loop. I think my water <laughs> just broke. I mean, everybody's going to sit there and look at their phone waiting for the update. That's pretty – and this was yeah. – ba- this is by the way, this was back in the day. What was how – many, how many years ago was this?
2: 2014.
0: Yeah. So I was going to say it's about five years ago. Not everybody was doing that. Now a lot of people are doing that sort of thing. That was not how Twitter was being used at the time. You were sort of a pioneer.
2: Yeah. I think I was a pioneer, and I, I think after I did it, this particular version of live tweeting, everyone was like, okay, that was a bad idea. We don't need to do that again.
0: <laughs> well, there are plenty of people doing it and then you just kept it going. You said my water broke, and then you just kept tweeting right up into the into the operating
2: room. Yeah, I mean, and it was, you know, you're talking about opening a story loop. It was a developing story. I mean, our car broke down multiple times. We got in a taxi. The taxi driver was not impressed that I was in labor, or maybe he was upset about it. You know, uh, my, my husband forgot his ukulele, which he tried to bring to the hospital. I mean, there were all these, you know, <laughs> developing moments.
0: You talk about in the book, though, because we're talking about social media and how to succeed with social media, how to use it it is it is obviously very effective but even now that this is 10 15 years in people haven't figured this out and you would actually say that live tweeting the birth of your child was not that effective in terms of maybe growing your personal brand I mean you talk about it in the book it didn't do everything that a lot of people would. Th- the attention died out immediately as the story died out is that true
2: yeah, well so let's be clear. I mean, I wasn't live tweeting my daughter's birth for any sort of marketing right. reason. I did it cuz it was fun and it happened to blow up. But what what I talk about in the book and what the the premise of the book is, as we sort of set it up in the beginning, is this idea that people believe that social media is all about making you go viral and if you can just go viral, then everything will be solved and your brand will sell mil- millions of widgets for years to come. And the right. reality is that almost never happens, and there's story after story of big brands who've spent millions on marketing campaigns trying to go viral that that just don't work. They fall flat. Hmm. Uh, you know, have you ever heard of the the Gusher eyeball that made mommy bloggers vomit? That was a good one. Or Olive Garden's random act of pasta. You know, these are some <laughs> of the failed marketing <laughs> campaigns that you can point to as as being potentially good ideas, but they were all based on this concept that if we go viral, then good things will happen and the money will rain down from the sky and then we don't have to worry about anything again. And that's really not what social media is built for. And I think it's one of the biggest myths kind of in, in, our, in our social media world. And so I think, you know, I share the story at the beginning of the book of me live tweeting my daughter's birth to say, hey, look, you know, I've actually had the rare experience of having gone viral. And I know that it, it does nothing for you. I mean, you know, I make the joke that the day after I went viral was the day that, you know, that guy uh, stapled the TV box onto his lawnmower and used it as a snowplow and he went viral or, you <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was the day that the Christian girl said she'd never wear leggings again, and that went viral. I mean, it's, you know, things are happening every day. Viral moments are happening every day, and most of the time, nothing happens afterwards.
0: So it's really, you're really, in the book, you talk about basically, you got to plant a field, you got to treat this like a farmer would treat a, a, a field, and you actually share a formula. We're going to talk about it on this interview, you talk about it in the book, and you actually talk about it also at Social Media Made Simple, where there's a free a series of videos, a free online course that you you flew to Nashville and recorded with us. Thank you for doing that because the main reason we want to do it is we have so many customers saying, "Help us figure this out," and that's the reason that we partnered with you. But you actually have a formula, and you just call it Share. It's an acronym: uh, Story. Tell a great story with your, your with your social media, and then How. Who's the king of your social media account? Audience. Social media. It's not about you. Reach, increase your reach to amplify your brand, and excellence, excelling at social media marketing. So let's start with what we know a lot about. Story on page 27 of your book, you say social media marketing is usually brand marketing, not direct marketing. That means that most of the time your goal is not an immediate sell. So you actually position social media as a way to give people a certain feeling about a brand, an affinity to a brand to create a bond, define branding in, in your terms.
2: Sure, so I think what I like to say here is that social media is really like a cocktail party, right? So think of you, know, you going into a cocktail party, you going into some vague networking event, right? If you have some amazing healing essential oil you wanna to sell to someone, it's not gonna work very well to run into that cocktail party and just start yelling at people you don't know who are maybe your ex-wife's boss's neighbor and try to get them to, to buy your healing essential oil, right? That's not how cocktail parties are most effective. How they are most effective is you go in, you make some kind of connection. If there's mutual interest, maybe you follow up later and then you, you grow that connection, you grow that engagement until it reaches the more natural place of a sale. And that's really what social media is, is for. Social media is, you know, I like to say it's an engagement ladder and, and at the bottom is maybe getting someone interested in what you're tweeting about or what you're posting about to follow you. And then maybe they start engaging with you on social media and then they click on a link. To Your website, and then they join your email opt in, and then they open your sales newsletter, and then they make a purchase, right? So, social media is the way to get someone on this ladder of engagement to become increasingly interested in your brand, to ultimately one day become a a raving fan, so to speak. So, the first step in this is making sure that you are sharing a good story on social media that importantly is not about you, it's about your customer, right? right? And this is all fundamental story brand stuff.
0: Okay. So let's make up a business here. And I'm literally just making this up. I, I, I can't think of a, a client that actually does this, but let's say you've got a, uh, a new 18-hole golf course in some town. And, uh, you know, you've promoted yourself on social media. You've got 350 followers. You want to grow that one. You want to grow the number of followers so people find out about your golf course. And you want people to remember you and actually come play more golf and pay for rounds of golf. They have just hired you to be their social media master. Give me some ideas of what you might do to share stories specifically as the as social media expert at a golf course?
2: Sure. So first things first, content is queen, right? So hmm. you got to have good content. Does that
0: mean like tips on how to putt better, how to drive better, like golf tips kind of thing?
2: Well, not necessarily. So we got to think about what our customer wants, what our customer yeah. wants, what problems are getting in the way of that and what life looks like for them if their problems are solved, right? So there are different types of content you could create and and curate. You could do blog posts or statistics, testimonials, images, So if we think about a golf course, well, probably images are maybe going to work well. That's helpful. Probably testimonials are going to work well. People sharing about their great experience at the golf course, people understanding that this is-
0: Sort of showing what you get if you show up, a lot of that. Totally,
2: totally. And then you basically create an editorial strategy around sharing this type of content. And what I would say is most important when you think about sharing this type of content is you're, you're going to need to make sure that you deposit more than you withdraw. So what this means on social media is one of the big things that brands get, get wrong is they go into social media, like that guy at the cocktail party who just goes in and talks about his essential oil the whole time, right? right? You want to go in and you actually want to provide valuable, interesting content 80% of the time. And then 20% of the time, do that call to action. Hey, please buy my whatever, please come to the golf course. So that's what you really want to be thinking about. So
0: 80, 20, 80% free value. Great stuff. 20%. Hey, here's an invitation to join us.
2: And some of that value that you're providing doesn't have to be yours because remember, a big thing on social media on any platform is curation, right? So I don't need to have necessarily written the blog post about how to, you know, the the new trick for a great golf swing, but I can link to someone else's post about it or share someone else's. I'm just trying to share good content so that I build... A, a followership that is engaged and interested right. in what I'm sharing. So that they're around that 20% of the time when I do say, hey, we've got some promotion this weekend, come on by.
0: I love it. Okay, so story. The next is uh, part of share is how. Who's the king of your social media account? You say on page 46, consistency is important. Ensure that you create a social media schedule and social media editorial calendar that works for your audience and your brand's bandwidth. So this is, this is huge because probably yeah. – of the people listening actually use social media to grow their business, and of those 30%, 5% actually have an editorial calendar. And so we're not really thinking. I would imagine one of the benefits of having an editorial calendar is just thinking about what you're going to be communicating over the next five, six, seven months, and seeing if there's a theme, and seeing if it makes sense together, rather than just going, man, I haven't posted in a while, I need to throw something up.
2: Yeah. And it also, the editorial calendar, what it really does is it helps you when we go back to that concept of story of creating content that that is about your customer and that provides value with an editorial calendar, you can see, hey, yes, I'm making sure that I am providing more than I am, you know, taking out, right? I'm providing more value than I am calling them to action to buy my stuff. So I think this, this H step of the share model, probably the most important thing you've got to do first. And I think this is probably one of the most valuable things in the whole book is this, social media evaluation that we put together that basically tells you which platform is best for your brand. Hmm. And so in the book, I take you through an evaluation so that your brand can figure out, okay, this is the one I wanna really be focusing on. And then depending on our bandwidth, we can focus on these others. And so that's gonna help you a lot because then you're not gonna be so scattered trying to literally, you know, post as much on Snapchat as you are on LinkedIn, as you are on Twitter, which is not going to help you move the needle. So the first step is figuring out which platform is best for your brand. And then, you know, you get down to sort of when you should post and how often should you post. And I share a lot of really specific tips in the book about how to do this. But let me say for now, you know, the editorial calendar is essential because it helps organize the way you think about when posting works for you and what kind of posting works best for you. And ultimately you're going to do a lot of testing to do this. Um, in the book we share sample editorial calendars that you can literally just follow exactly as they are to kind of get you going. Yeah, That
0: was awesome. By the way, that was an incredible tool.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, Honestly, once you get it started, the trick is that after you have a pattern going, it's actually way easier to maintain than probably whatever you're doing now, which is sort of this ad hoc, oh my gosh, I haven't posted a Facebook post in three weeks kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's more well work up front, but you'll be more streamlined and way more effective.
0: Claire, do you do this for your personal brand? Do you do, I, mean, I know you do this for companies. Do you actually think through this for your personal brand? Because you are so witty and fun on. Instagram especially, and Twitter. I remember there was something you did recently. You were speaking in Dubai or something, and you died your... I, you shaved your eyebrows off by accident, or you dyed yeah, your eyebrows. I have a long
2: I have a, sta- I have a standing <laughs> issue with my eyebrows, and I find that anytime <laughs> I, I do something interesting to them on Instagram, I get incredible engagement. So I so you keep I doing them.
0: <laughs> well, are you well? Your eyebrows are are you're gonna they're gonna need their own Instagram account soon
2: enough. <laughs> well, what I like to tell people is, you know, you want to be able to be spontaneous on social media, and that's really important for brands, right? If everything is all just scheduled out, not only will you Miss important key moments that your brand could capitalize on, but you you know also will potentially make some big social media snafus, right? If if there's a terrible hurricane coming into your city and yeah, you got some scheduled tweet about you know buying. Don't let the weather
0: bother you. Today. If it's raining, right. make sure to <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly
2: totally. So you want to always have some of your presence um just dedicated to off the cuff stuff, and that's something that you know for me having a personal brand that's really important to me. Um, that's really important to me also because it shows that I'm, you know like actually on the platform. And I don't advocate you know sitting on your social media all day by any means, but if social media is important to your brand and I really think it is important to pretty much any brand these days who who cares about trying to market and sell something, uh, then you do need to spend some time on it to understand what your followers are actually resonating with and caring about so that you create more content like that.
0: Story, then how, then audience, social media, and StoryBrand loves this, it's not about you. Page 57, your customer, potential customer, is your follower. Reframe your social media account to make it about them. This is what's really interesting is, as a memoirist, I think I have six or seven memoirs out there. People are like, well, you, you've really gotten to tell your story. And that's true, I've gotten to tell my story. What they don't realize is in none of those memoirs do I actually tell my story. I tell the story that we have in common. I, I, does that make sense because if I actually told my yeah. story and told the story that I wanted to talk about, it would be incredibly boring. Hmm. So you have to talk about these things where th- the whole time you're writing a memoir I'm going other people will identify with this other people have experienced this other people will does that make sense?
2: Absolutely and I think that gets to the heart of you know what what I really talk about in this step a is for audience your social media is about your audience, not about your brand. It really comes down to this kind of equation. It's funny. I'm terrible at math, but I love this equation. And the equation is quite simple. It's empathy plus connection equals social media engagement. And so Mm. what this gets to is that there are all these studies recently showing that empathy has dropped in the last generation. And many people are saying, oh, well, it must be directly related to social media use. And so what the studies then show is that it is related to social media use when it's passive use. So, you know, you were just sharing about how, oh, sometimes when you're with of friends. You wish you had posted about it, right? So one of the, the downsides of something like that, though, is we've all seen that kind of FOMO, fear of missing out, or, yeah. or that feeling of compare and despair. You go on your Instagram, or you go on Twitter, and you see what everyone else is doing, or you see how awesome everyone else is. And you life, feel
0: like your life is meaningless. And you feel
2: like crap, right? And so that is bad, right? So how do you counteract that with actual engagement? And so that's what your brand is trying to basically get. You're trying to get your followers to engage with you in positive ways um, because that is how you can effectively create empathy, essentially, is telling a great story, helping someone, and asking a question. Those are my three tips for doing Wait, wait. It go back
0: again. Section. You create empathy by telling a story and what?
2: Helping someone.
0: Helping someone. And
2: asking a question. Yeah. Yep. Ah, So these are basically three ways to create engagement on social media because, you know, engagement is empathy plus connection.
0: I know empathy. Empathy is I feel your pain. I understand you. We have something in common. Have you guys ever felt this? Explain connection. What do you mean by connection?
2: The best way you create connection is to basically show empathy to someone else, right? So a way to do that as a brand, for example, is to solve someone's problem, solve a potential customer's problem or solve a current customer's problem, right? So then they feel heard, they feel understood, and then you've created this this moment where now you have a a potential raving fan around you because of how you were able to reach out and make someone not feel isolated and make someone feel understood on social media. So one of the ways to do that is what you're talking about telling a great story as a memoirist, that was you telling a story that other people could understand, right? So, on social media, it's the same thing. Telling a great story that is about your audience makes them feel connected. Um, Another way is to actually directly help someone. So, I mean, most companies out there, probably most companies listening to this interview today, if they went to one of their social media accounts, they would find some customer with some problem today that they could literally solve because that is the lowest hanging fruit Hmm. for brands is just helping your customers via social media because that's where people go to air their grievances these yeah, days yeah another way to do it is to ask a question so make a question to your followers to get people engaged with you and to make them feel even more connected with you so these are just ways to really make it all about your audience, which is really what it, it always has to be from the story brand perspective.
0: Okay, reach, increase your reach to amplify your brand. And what's interesting about this is the way you say to increase your reach is actually counterintuitive. Page 77, prioritize your existing social media tribe over new followers every single day of the week. Stop trying to get more care for who is actually in the room. And then you say that is a formula for getting more followers.
2: Yeah, so let me tell you a little story, and then I'll kind of go into why this works. So back in 2011, when I was working at Twitter, there were some data scientists at the company that started looking into what tweets were really working on the platform, right? And they saw what they thought at the time was an anomaly, which was basically that these religious tweets, these Bible verses and tweets from pastors were getting crazy engagement. So they're kind of punching above their weight, right? And they thought this was weird. It didn't make sense. And then after a lot of digging realized, no, what's happening here is that these particular accounts Ah, uh, this genre of account is really highly engaged. So you've got a a you know pastor with a thousand followers getting way more engagement than a celebrity with a hundred thousand, right? And so what this kind of goes to goes back to is this idea that honestly, the algorithms on these platforms, no matter how many times they will change, they will always favor the people who are getting current engagement and that is the way that you will always be seen more right so i talk to brands all the time and their first question is always how can i get more followers and my response is honestly the question is is really or the question what the question really should be is what matters when it comes to increasing your reach? Is it new followers or is it your old ones? And Hmm. as the algorithms show, it really is your old ones or your existing ones, I should say. So you're, you, what you should always try to do is try to expand your reach by simply getting your current followers to engage more and engage more. And then you will be seen more on those platforms and you will ultimately be able to grow much, much better.
0: It reminds me of a conversation I just had this morning with a guy named Jesse Cole. And Jesse Cole, we're creating a course on customer experience with Jesse. He, he runs uh, a baseball team in Savannah, Georgia called the Savannah Bananas. And they are not a triple-A team, double-A team, single-A team, or even a college team. They're a college summer team. So This is the very bottom of—this is basically right above a church league. And um, he sells out 4,000 seats to every game, and he's sold out, I think, for the next two years. And he does it with customer experience. And he would actually say, Don, it's not about trying to get people to come to the ballpark. It's mm-hmm. about when they come to the ballpark, taking care of them. And he said, you won't believe how quickly that grows your business. Hmm. It was fascinating. It's kind of counterintuitive for us, but it reminds me of the conversation we're now having on social media. Care about the people who are in the room and following you. Absolutely. Right? And Absolutely. then And more people. And that, people just start talking about it, and more people join. That is an incredibly practical tip. Okay, finally, after reach, excellence, excelling at social media marketing page 86, about negative comments on social. If the comments aren't offensive, let the dialogue take place and don't delete the negative content. Whenever you can, try to turn a negative conversation into a positive one. Willie Nelson used to say, do not read your press, weigh it. And I thought that was a great (laughs) statement. Um, And I've tried to remember that. But it's hard. I'm not a controversial guy. On I'm not a controversial guy anywhere. But on Instagram, there is something to be said for shock jocks who make provocative statements and don't really care whether people hate them. They tend to blow up. And uh, Mm -hmm. tell me why that happens and how we can maybe do that without being such, such so exploitative. I guess.
2: Well, what's interesting is that, you know, most brands make mistakes. Most brands do something bad on social media. Most brands end up saying something stupid or offensive. And sometimes it's on purpose. And sometimes it's because, you know, you have a rogue employee that is quitting today and right. so sends out something terrible on Twitter before doing so. But you know, what really makes great brands stand apart is how they respond to it. And the thing with social media is that social media is, you know, for the most part, our social media platforms are these real time information networks that are constantly updated. So it's really important to be authentic and transparent. And when you make a mistake, being authentic and transparent is obviously a a good path right and so what you see over and over again is brands who do a bad job of being transparent and authentic after making a mistake are the ones that consistently fail on social media and the ones who do just as bad of stuff as other people but then are able to kind of make light of it or apologize in a profound way or be transparent about exactly what happened whichever strategy they choose those are the ones that really win and so in the book, I tell my favorite story about social media use, which is some years back, basically, the American Red Cross had this terrible mistake where an employee sends Mm. out literally a drunken tweet from the main American Red Cross handle. (laughs) And what could have been a PR disaster was actually turned into something that ended up being really positive and raising a bunch of donations for the American Red Cross. What happened? How how did they do it? Well, so it's a it's a series of kind of tweets of what they did. But basically you had this one employee who accidentally sends out a tweet saying that, you know, they'd found some extra beer and they were about to hashtag get slizzard, right? And then everyone <laughs> freaks out. They say, How is the American Red Cross gonna claw themselves back from this? And what they did is, you know, that individual employee immediately went to her own account. You know, she said, I'm so sorry, uh, you know, rogue tweet due to my inability to to use Twitter. You know, I wasn't actually getting slizzard. I was just excited. Then they go back to the main American Red Cross account and they say something funny but but strong they say you know we've deleted the rogue tweet but rest assured the red cross is sober and we've confiscated the keys then you've got the the actual <laughs> brand the actual brand of beer that she had initially mentioned they get in on it and they say hey go here to donate to the american Red cross it was just this great pr story and it ended they up had
0: fun with it yeah
2: absolutely had fun with it but also you know acknowledged hey we made a mistake and and in, in contrast, there are tons of examples of huge brands who have done some pretty lame stuff and sometimes really offensive stuff on social media, and their response is, you know, it takes them 48 hours and they write a really long, boring press release in apology. You know, that doesn't work. Um, you yeah. need to, if you're willing to be on the platform at all, you need to be willing to go on it all the way, you know, and, and be transparent and authentic throughout throughout the journey, essentially. So I think, you know, in terms of developing excellence on social media, what's most important important is, you know, when you make a mistake, own up to it and fast. And then whenever you can, going back to how this how we started this discussion is when there is a negative story, try to turn it into a positive. And one of the best ways to do that is to kind of let the truth rise to the top. So one of the great things about social media is that you have lots of different customers saying different things at the same time. Someone might have a positive experience, someone might have a negative experience. And sometimes you can watch those people share positive reviews and negative reviews while you try to direct the conversation. And it's, it's an authentic way to to show people that you know you're a real brand and and people are actually able to engage with you when they have issues and you can help them solve them
0: you know somebody who's done this so well recently is my buddy Joshua Harris Joshua wrote a book Years ago, called mm-hmm. I Kiss Dating Goodbye. You remember that? No,
2: I, re- I read that. I read that book in college, and I, <laughs> I remember meeting Joshua last year at your house or somewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So he's been a friend ever since way, way before he wrote that book. Which he wrote it like when he was eighteen or something. I think I've known Josh since he was fifteen. Anyway, he since more or less renounced the book, uh, has mm-hmm. publicly apologized for writing it, was participated in the creation of a documentary, and he w- in which he went around and actually talked to people who felt like they'd been damaged by the ideas in the book. And it's just one of the most remarkable things that I've seen because I knew that about Josh for a long time after he'd written the book, but he was quiet about it. And really what I watched was a guy who had sort of painted himself into a corner and couldn't get out and then suddenly realized, you know what, I actually just need to own this, need to be honest about it, need to be heartfelt about it, need to be public about it. And not only did he blow up in terms of getting some, you know, getting recognition, which I don't think he was looking for, he he redeemed his brand in a matter of a year, became probably more popular than ever before. But not only that, he became himself. Like, I watched it happen. And I watched a guy going, wow, you know, he probably feels like he's ruined his life by something he said when he was 17 or 18, to a guy who at 40 almost feels like he gets to completely start over. It's just been amazing to watch, and it's all been because of social media.
2: I mean, I think Joshua Harris is a great example also of, you know, one of the themes you always see is when people mess up on social media, the the great way to kind of handle it or, you know, one of the ingredients in handling it well is humor, right? And obviously he's a writer, so he's a good writer at it, but he's done a great job of that.
0: He's also not mean-spirited. I actually talked to him once, and he was like, you know, these people are coming after me for this. And I was like, Josh, they just want – they want you to be a villain so they can be a victim, right? I mean, everybody has to make up their decisions. And he just—he was like, you know, Don. There's some truth to that, but there's also some truth to, you know, I led them astray in some ways. And he, he was just very—he was not—he was never mean spirited about it. He was very, very kind and able to sort of turn the other cheek, which is interesting because he recently essentially renounced his faith, but he re, he right. turns the other cheek better than most people I know who are of faith, which is just fascinating to me. Um, mm-hmm. I think res- the way you respond to critics is so huge. There's been two es- episodes in my life where I've responded. I wrote a, a blog once that got some controversy, and somebody wrote a blog, a prominent figure wrote a blog, basically accusing me of being a narcissist. Mm-hmm. And that, for some reason, that hurt, probably because it's too close to the truth. And so I, I was like, how do I respond to this? And the, the response I came up with was, you know, I, I linked to the article, and I said, in this mm-hmm. article, so-and-so refers to me as a narcissist. I think it's decently written, but I wish it would have talked more about me. And I just (laughs) that one that blew up, and then and then another one recently. A guy because I've gone into business. I used to be a memoirist, and I went into business, and he um, basically accused me of selling out and saying you missed you know you need to go back and write memoirs and. Sort of a consumer, you know, it felt like a Yelp review of your life, which is really funny. <laughs> and um, I don't know, I just said, I said, you know, hey, everybody has a critic. We all have our wounds, but I stopped listening to voices that criticized me and shame me a long time ago, and it's really helped. Lost over 100 pounds and made a lot of money and got married. And I would say you should stop, you know, to my public, stop listening to voices like this as well. Hundreds of comments, positive comments saying... But it was interesting because if I would have taken that and said, this guy's a real jerk and why don't you go suck an egg, I pro- you know, there wouldn't have been any positive comments on my thing. And they would have said, Don, you're being mean. Why are you being such a bully? There's a spirit with which you have to respond to criticism that I think reveals whether or not you are healthy. And if you are healthy and respond to criticism, people love it. And if you are unhealthy and contributing to the unhealth of the spirit of that criticism in the first place, people don't like it. And so I think it's got to be that a part of this is just checking our hearts before we actually pick up our phone and respond.
2: I yesterday I just retweeted something that was some line something like it's your right it's my it's your right to be offended it's my right not to care and I feel like that kind of shows the kind of tension there when you are living a life that is on social media other people are going to judge and to some extent you know as an individual or a brand you have a responsibility to them but your responsibility only goes to 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 a certain extent, right? And I, I like to think about that in terms of brands because with brands on social media, when we think about social media marketing and how you can have a great social media strategy, we focus so much on the fact that it's about your audience. But you really need to be clear that you are the owner of your company or, you know, you are the marketing manager in your company and it is your company. And so you do get to choose. Yeah.
0: Like it or not, you have a public image.
2: Absolutely. And, And it is and it is up to you. You don't need to you know, you're not just there to be sort of beaten by the mean things people can sometimes say to you on social media. You are there to set the agenda and that is your power.
0: Claire Diaz-Ortiz, thanks for joining us. We all need a guide when it comes to social media, and we need a framework, just step-by-step. How do we do this, along with really inspiring stories and perspectives? The book is Social Media Success for Every Brand. The author is Claire Diaz-Ortiz. Also, go to socialmediamadesimple.com. uh, Claire flew As I I talked earlier about Claire flew to Nashville We spent an entire day Filming her wisdom Divided it up Into a free online course That should cost Thousands if not Millions of dollars To watch It's yours for free Uh, Go to Socialmediamadesimple.com Claire thanks for joining us All the way from Argentina
2: Thank you so much Always fun to be here
0: You know the thing that I got most out of that was the editorial calendar. Yep, it, to actually have a whole strategy. Yeah, we've never really done that as a business. No, uh, and we're going to in 2020. Yep, I mean we. I think we do decent. If you follow Storybrand on Instagram, we do. I think we do a pretty decent, if not a great, job. Uh, on social media, but to actually have a year long calendar that associates with our live workshops, with the release of different products, with yep. these sorts of things, I think is really important. And then to do the 80 20 rule where 80% of it is just free value. Yep. R- really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, lots of really practical stuff. Again, if you want to know more, go to dot com, and you can take a free online course. You just watch, what, how many videos did you guys shoot, JD? Five. Five. Five really great videos, uh, a terrific amount of content uh, for you to figure this out. Uh, it's not rocket science, but you do want to get it right. So just go to com, And also, we'll keep you posted on whether JJ wins a ribbon. Yes. By the way, what ribbons can you win? Because your goal is to win a ribbon yep. at the State Fair. That's
1: my whole goal. Is the blue ribbon still the number one? I think so, but the ones that I saw that are bigger are like red, white, and blue, actually. That's like the oh, grand gosh. champion. And is it's like a I've huge,
0: looked. like a homecoming
1: ribbon? No, but it's a good size. It's maybe size of a mum. Yeah. You're yeah, big.
0: <laughs> you know what would be really cool? <laughs> what? Is if we go see your diorama, and there's just a, a big, beautiful spider web in the corner. <laughs> <They have> it. <laughs> and it just says JJ's diorama. <laughs> Number one.
1: When I brought it in, some of the ladies go, they actually said, um, is there a live thing in there? And I go, no, no, it's not live. And they were, and they then they then that's when I started goading them for compliments. I was like, they said, well, we're not going to be able to water it. And I was like, it's not real, ladies. It's not real. But you, did, those, you
0: did that good a job. Yeah,
1: they thought yep so they're they thought those were spiders. real fairies real fairies on a with real river real water and real, real tiny bridge. tiny swans <laughs> <laughs> all right
0: well follow JJ on Instagram if you want to see pictures of his diorama and we're all rooting you on thanks Don. I'm gonna go get a corn dog and go over and vote do I get to vote Yeah,
1: there's audience participation yeah audience vote
0: is that part of the algorithm the, no it's no
1: but that that's a separate prize
0: but you could get a ribbon for yeah. that all right all right everybody go to the the Tennessee state, state Fair, fair, and fair get a corn dog <laughs> vote for JJ Peterson's Land of Fairies and the Baby Jesus (laughs) is the name of uh, his entry. And uh, look for the spider. It'll be pointing at his diorama. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thanks so much for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.